0: The food and nutrition experts are here to help. With help from our friends at the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, this is Eat Right Radio. Here's Melanie Cole, MS.
1: With the school year about to start up again and you think to yourself, well, my kids are going to go back to that cafeteria and you wonder about the choices that they're going to make or should you start packing their lunches? Well, there's been some updates to what's going on in the schools and at the cafeterias. My guest today is Wesley Delbridge. He's a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and academy spokesperson for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Welcome to the show. So Wesley, let's talk about some of the changes with school meals. What's going on?
0: Hi, Melanie. Um, well, there's a lot going on, um, not only on the federal level, but also on the local level. The federal, new federal guidelines have moved to 100% whole grains, requiring fruits and vegetables to be served with um, each meal, and also a decrease in sodium content. So we've seen that from the federal level. And then districts like ours are moving towards uh, cleaner labels. So we're following the market, and we're getting rid of those food additives that we don't believe contribute to the success of our students. And uh, parents are really buying into that because that's what they're seeing in the retail and, you know, at, at food, um, stores like Whole Foods and Sprouts and, those types of um, specialty stores, that's what they're looking for their kids to eat in school lunch. And and we can make that happen with the uh, resources that we have.
1: So when we look at all of those school lunches, do you think Wesley, that if you're putting out sprouts and a great salad bar and whole grains, that the kids will choose these as we're trying to make these choices healthier, will the kids go for it or are they still going to head to the vending machine for the Doritos?
0: Right. That's a great question. Um, you know, it, there's a two-part answer to that. The first one is if a, a school district can adopt a wellness policy where those vending machines aren't offered or they're meeting certain nutrition guidelines um, that the district has adopted, then that will, you know, first help. But if that's not existing, then the idea of helping kids consume these fruits and vegetables, we have to really think outside the box because just telling them to do it won't work. Um, One of the things that we tried um, in our district that we piloted is called the Nutrition Promoters. So we took the lunch aides that were normally there that are in charge of the discipline for the kids and keeping them uh, their behavior in line, and uh, we called them Nutrition Promoters. We trained them on nutrition education, gave them incentives, uh, prizes to give out to kids if they saw them eating fruits and vegetables and talked about the superpowers that they get. And we tried that for five weeks. That's it. And what we saw was an increase in 60% vegetable consumption and almost 30% of fruit consumption just by having that person there as a role model encouraging those kids to eat fruits and vegetables and rewarding them with praise and, you know, small prizes. So just saying it and just exposing them to it won't seal the deal. You have to really get outside the box and, and meet them where they are in their dining experience.
1: That's great advice. It really is. Now, what about liquids? For a little while there, Wesley, I thought that with an initiative from Bill Clinton, there was something where there was no more soda being served in the schools at the cafeterias. And now my son comes every day. He's like, oh, no, there's big sodas. You can get huge ones.
0: Really? Well, I don't know what school district that is, but they are not following federal guidelines. Um, Last year, uh, the new regulations, uh, were adopted that are called smart snacks, and that means that any food or beverage uh, sold to students during the school day has to meet certain nutritional requirements, and soda very much does not fit into those, but it regulates calories, it regulates fat, it regulates sodium. And every vending machine, every fundraiser, um, anything that's being sold to students has to meet those nutritional guidelines, and that's coming from the federal government. So not only do we have the regulations on the school meal side, but we have the backup of the regulations on the vending machine slash fundraiser side, school stores. I knew
1: that, and I was sure about that. When, and when he says, oh, he got a Fago blue something or another, and I can even see it when I'm looking on the back end of what he spent his little high school money on. So I'm shocked and surprised and something that I'm definitely going to bring up. What do you want parents to know about this? Is there anything we can do within our school districts to get it going and to make sure that our schools are following those federal guidelines?
0: Absolutely, because it's very vague on what the discipline is and what, you know, um, What's going to happen if you don't follow these guidelines? So it really, it, it shouldn't come from a, a conversation of punishment. It should more come from a conversation from the parents of, we want this for our, our schools. We want to be healthier. We want to follow this. What can we do to help? Um, can we put out some resources uh, to help people with fundraisers and booster clubs and um, selling, selling items during the school day? So parents have the voice, because that's who the district listens to. That's who the principal listens to. Um, they can listen to us all day long, and we end up getting you know called the food police. But at the end of the day, if the parents are demanding it, the school will say, okay, we have to do something about it. The, the parents can also, like I said earlier, start being involved in the uh, wellness policy development. Part of developing a wellness policy is including your parents as as uh, contributors to that so parents can say what's our district wellness policy if we even have one and if we do have one let's look at maybe revamping it to meet these new guidelines because we want our kids to be healthy and we want the same message of nutrition to be um, preached all day long
1: these segments are short Wesley and this is such a great (laughs) topic. Now when we look at cafeteria style food and you see the baby carrots sitting there swimming in the whatever oil and butter that it is as these nutrition guidelines come out and fat and sugar and additives are being included in on these guidelines. What do we do about the fact that some of these schools just don't have the funding or the chef availability to make the food look appetizing while we're trying to offer these healthier choices? Because I think that's the whole thing. Kids look at these and they go, Ugh, I'm not going to touch those peas or those carrots or whatever it is.
0: I think the misconception is that, um, those schools don't have the resources. You know, we have the United States Department of Agriculture who runs this program, and they have tons of recipes and tons of resources. We have commodities available to us in their purest form that we can take. Um, And districts, if, if they're just doing their homework, they don't need to be a chef. They don't need to be, you know, a food scientist. But what we found is by cleaning up our labels, and actually presenting food more in its purest form and getting rid of kind of what they're they're used to seeing as far as cafeteria style we saw a decrease in meal cost on our end so everyone thinks you know, this is going to increase our, our food costs if you do this. It's actually not true. So if you're actually processing your ingredients um, in their whole state and, um, and getting recipes online or, or going to resources that the government has out there, um, then there's definitely ways to make it happen and present it well. Um, there's more resources than there's ever been for school lunch. And, and the community, we want to share So districts can contact bigger districts and ask them what they're doing and ask them to share recipes, ask them to share pictures and menus and all that other stuff. And we're all in it for the same business to help kids get healthier. So we are in the business of sharing. So I I would say that they, they have lots of resources out there.
1: And making the kids choose those healthier choices, getting them to walk through the line and take those healthier choices in the last minute or so that we have left, Wesley. Your best advice for communities, parents, and school districts and what's going on out there in the changes in school meals that we can look forward to so that our kids are going to get those healthier choices.
0: You can look forward to fresher ingredients. You can look forward to locally grown produce because farmers are, are, are coming in on these new standards. You can look for um, ingredients that are and, and recipes that are kind of similar to what you have at home. We're, we're getting away from these prepackaged items. I would encourage parents to really sit down with your kids. It has to be a family effort and to look at the menu and decide, what are we going to eat? And when I go to school today, Here's what's available, and here's what I'm going to try. Even if I don't like it, I'm going to try it. Um, so it, sh- it needs to be a family effort because if it's just coming from the cafeteria or the school lunch staff, it's not going to reinforce it as much as if parents are involved in the decision-making beforehand, and then they follow up afterwards and say, what did you have today? Um, what didn't you like? Those types of things. So
1: Beautiful. In- That is absolutely great advice. You're listening to Eat Right Radio with our good friends from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. For more information, you can go to eatright.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening.